Well, we are in the business of transforming. We're in the business of how do we actually change who we are. We're in week four and we're in, in, in this third part of, of looking and digging deep into our character, digging deep into who we actually are. We have this goal, we have the, this desire, we, wanna, we want to please God, we want to be effective for the kingdom, we want to live in joy, and God has called us to do that, and that is a beautiful thing. And we've talked about this process of, of doing better than simply trying hard, because that's simply an act of the willpower, and it, it, it doesn't work long term. We've, we've talked about the, the temptation to just tap out and, and give up and, and settle, and we've said that we're in a training process together, that we are training together to have our lives be more conformed to the image of Christ. We said last week that this is a process of renewing our minds, running to community, and then rejoicing together. That all sounds well and good. Has anybody's spiritual growth just been up and to the right your entire life? Is it just a straight line? It tends to not be simply a straight line, and there are lots of reasons for that. One of the reasons is um, we face a lot of trials and temptations. We face attack. It is not simply a process of building, it is also a process of defending. It's like Nehemiah, as he was rebuilding the wall, there was a you know, a trial in one hand and a sword in the other. We're, we're building and we are defending at the same time. Some of you this morning, as you think about where you are in your walk, you're brand new in this. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You're young. It's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. And you can, you can look ahead and you can say, what does God have for me? And am I going to orient my life around the truths of the gospel? Is that going to be primarily what I am about? And you're going to face all kinds of battles. Some of you may be on the last leg on this earth in that journey. And you're in this season right now and you're saying, okay, God, what do you have for me? The trials, the temptations, the attacks that we face... I don't believe they ever go away. Some of our senior saints could probably testify to that and say there's never a time when I don't face some level of attack. Whatever season you're in, we all face challenge, we all face trial, we all face attack. Now this morning, we're going to dive into that and we're going to learn from two of the masters of facing trial and temptation. And they're going to look at it really from two different perspectives that actually, that actually come together. We're going to learn from James, the half-brother of Jesus, who faced his own trials, didn't believe that his half-brother was the Son of God until the resurrection, would lead the church at Jerusalem, would ultimately be 
martyred. Wonderful story of transformation in and of itself. We're going to learn from the Apostle Paul, who had his own story of transformation from persecuting Christians to being the most influential leader in the church and getting it started and planting numerous churches. We're going to learn from them. We're going to learn from the words that God inspired them to write. And one of the beautiful things about the Bible, I hope that you love God's Word. I hope that you have a desire to be changed by God's Word. One of the things that I think is so powerful about God's Word is it was not written in an ivory tower. It was not written in this abstract theoretical universe. It was written in the midst of battles and storms. I like that. I like that we study letters that were written by real people to real churches with real problems. So we're going to learn from those two today. I believe they have unique insights for us, and we're going to dive in. I want to take you, first of all, to James 1, verse 2. Let's go to James 1, verse 2. I would encourage you, if you have not yet downloaded the app, we're having a few technical things today, that's all right. It's attack this morning. If you have not downloaded the church app yet, I would encourage you to do so. We all learn differently. One of the things I like to do when I listen to a message is take a few notes, but also know all the scriptures that are there that I can go home. First of all, I can say, did what he say make sense? Is it in line with God's word? All those things. But it's also something I can use in my daily time with God. So the, the instructions are on your bulletin in how to get that, but that's got all the scriptures, that's got a place to take notes. It's a place you can go back to and study. So let me begin in, in James 1 verse 2. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There is a process of growth and maturation that comes through trial. That's one process. Now, let me take you to James 1, verse 12. When tempted... No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There are two processes here. There's one of growth and maturation. There is one that leads to death. Where is my heart? Where are my desires? When we have trials and temptations, there is an opportunity. We can go down one of two paths. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, verse 10. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. The first thing I believe we need to do this morning as we think about our trials, our temptations, is we need to understand the reality of temptation and trial. We need to understand that fundamental reality of temptation and trial. The biblical record gives us a very nuanced view of trials and temptations. On the one hand, what is at the root of your trial and your temptation? It is you. It is me. It is our heart. It is our desire. That's the root of it. These are the things we talked about back in Colossians 3 that we need to put to death that we need to get rid of, the evil desires, all these things that can lead us astray. So in one sense, it's our own evil desires. But on the other, you and I are in a spiritual battle. You are in a spiritual battle. You are under attack. The battle is real. The devil is real. The attack is personal, it is multifaceted, the threat is real, the consequences are real. Now, we're sophisticated 21st century people. We can do all kinds of crazy technological things. But if we believe that the Bible is true believe that it's true. Can I get an amen? It's the basis. It's the foundation for what we believe to be true, capital true, about reality. If it's true, then there is a devil that is real and that wants to attack you. Sometimes it sounds just weird saying that. That's just language we're not comfortable with sometimes. But if we're going to have a foundation in God's word, if we're going to talk about good things about God and all those other things in a spiritual reality, there's also the reality of the evil one. So let's dive in. Let's have a sober look at what that attack might look like. Let me take you to a few passages. I'm going to walk through them fairly quickly again. Take them down, go back and look at them. A couple things. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. It says, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, is the devil a literal roaring lion? This is a metaphor. Don't don't think metaphors take away reality. Metaphors are 
language that we can understand to describe a greater reality. One of the problems we run into with the devil is we turn the devil into a cartoon. And oh, that's no big deal. The devil is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Stay awake, pay attention. What does this mean for you personally? You have weaknesses, I have weaknesses, we have specific areas that the devil will attack us through. You have earthly things, I have earthly things that our hearts and our minds will naturally gravitate towards. For some, it could be sexual immorality, greed, anger, malice, destructive words, all those external things, but it could also be the things that people don't see all the time. The pride, the idolatry, the good things that we turn into ultimate things. The devil has schemes. Let's talk about those schemes for a moment. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The devil blinds. Let me take you to John 8, 43. This is Jesus. He's talking with the Pharisees. They're questioning his own fatherhood. He makes, Jesus makes reference to God as being his father, the Pharisees look at him as an illegitimate son. Jesus says this in John 8, Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is a liar. The devil will deceive. Now, if the devil is going to blind you, keep you from seeing, if the devil is going to be a liar, there are a number of schemes that the devil will use. He will distort He will divide. The devil will discourage. He will distract. Ultimately, he wants to destroy you. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Nobody's smiling when I talk about the devil. We shouldn't be. We need to be sober-minded, right? If this stuff is true... There's attack on you, there's attack on your kids, there's attack on our, our, our church. What does this look like? What are the schemes? I'm an old coach, I like to look at scouting reports, game plans. Think about your own life. What, what are your weaknesses? What are you, what, how are you tempted? What does that look like for you? It's not the same for everybody. We need the humility to understand that what one person's weakness is not everybody's weakness. 
We have different struggles. As I look at that list, I, I fight mightily against the narrative of discouragement. Sometimes I can look around and what I see may not be as encouraging as I would like it to be. That's why I have to set my heart and my mind on things above. Some of you may face distraction, division. What are those things? What is, what is the scouting report on you? Everybody's got something. Are you with me on that? Do, do you know what it is? Do, do you, I mean, do, do you know what that scouting report is on you? The devil can observe that and know that just by, again, if there's a spiritual realm that can see what you do, there's film on every one of us. We ought to know it. Now, let me take you to Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold. A place, an opportunity. I want you to think of it this way. This is a sober message. Is, is, is that all right this morning? That's just, we're, we're diving into God's word. And, and, but here, here's the deal. We all have a, a foothold a place, a space that the devil is fighting for. There is an area in your heart, in your mind, in my heart, in my that is that is up for grabs. If you're a football fan, it's the line of scrimmage that we're trying to control. If you're a basketball fan, it's that it's that low block that I'm trying to, to get that space. If I'm a chess player, I think it's the center of the board that I want to control. Any chess players out there? Can I get an amen? Maybe not. I don't know. We're a violent crowd. But there's space in your heart, there's space in my mind that is up for grabs. If I'm a rock climber, there's a foothold, there's space that I'm trying to take, capture, to take the next step on my journey. And that is up for grabs. Now, as we think about that, again, we got a nuanced view here from the Bible. There's a part of this that's your responsibility, my responsibility, and there's a part that's God's. I want to break that down for us. The second thing, we need to take responsibility for our training. How, how do we capture that space? Well, we have to train for it. Paul tells us that we are to put on the full armor of God. Let me walk you through Ephesians 6, 14. Let's start there. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. You have a a, a belt that, you know, we're, 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 we've got an extended metaphor here of a Roman soldier. And that belt keeps everything together. Do you have a fundamental belief, faith that keeps everything together? 
When we talk about living a life that is aligned, a life that is integrated, there is truth that informs that, that keeps everything together. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, what what does that protect? Your heart. This is the core of who you are. This is our integrity. Yes, we are saved. We have the righteousness of Christ that covers us. That's grace. Thank you, Jesus. But there is a heart, our decision maker, the CEO of ourself that needs to be protected. Stand firm with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Our shoes are fit. That is our mission. That is our, to, to not only see the hope of Jesus, but to be able to share that, to move forward, to share the gospel, the good news that Jesus is our rescuer, that he has defeated the power of sin and death and rescues all who put their faith and trust in him. When we are moving forward with that mission, with our shoes fitted with that, I can take that space. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith that that blocks the attack. What is faith? Faith is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It is is believing in that unseen reality, believing in the promises. It's believing the songs that we just sang and saying, this is real, so that when the attack comes, I'm not leaning on my own strength. My own talent and ability is not my shield. Thank you, Jesus, right? That's not a very good shield. I probably can't even lift that shield, or it's a tiny shield. The Roman soldier's shield was a big shield. Take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What does a helmet do? Protects my thinking, my mind. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Take every thought captive. We can go throughout Scripture. I'm transformed by the renewal of my mind. The helmet of salvation, I remember that I know how the story ends. I can be encouraged in the moment. And I have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that is deeply in me, and I have it at my disposal. So I take responsibility for my training. So what does that mean? I, I, I can build those habits. I can be in God's word. I can be with others. I can be in a group. I can take a class. I can have my private time where I can grow. 
I can train my mind. Paul doesn't make these optional. He says, do this. Sometimes I think as followers of Jesus, we, we, we just do a little bit here and there sometimes. And that's not effective training. If we're going to be effective in our training, if I'm going to be, it's, it's got to be regular. It's, I've, I've got to invest some time. Again, training is different than just trying hard. Training is doing the things I can actually do to help me do what I can't do right now. It's a progressive deal. Reading the Bible for the first time can be challenging. The more I do it, the better I can get at it, the more clearly I can see. Now, the good news, it's not all up to you and it's not all up to me. The third thing, we rely on the Holy Spirit. Taking responsibility for our training and relying on the Holy Spirit are not in conflict. They work together. Paul says this in Ephesians 6.18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So God calls us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. all occasions that's hard times that's really good times that's the in-between times it's all the time all occasions when i pray in the spirit what are what are we doing what are we actually doing here paul tells us in that glorious chapter in romans 8 that the spirit hears our groans that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, that the Spirit reminds us that we are children of God. So this is not a just my own doing thing. I am actually connected with God. As believers in Jesus, we actually have the Spirit of God in us. We actually have the Spirit of God interceding for us, helping us in our weakness. Now, what is prayer? What is your act? What does my act of prayer say to God? I'm relying on you. I'm trusting in you. What does our lack of prayer say? I've got it. I can do this. It's all, it's all on me. So we are to pray on all occasions. Now, again, I've given you three steps, but I want you to think about where you are right now. Just be honest with yourself. Be real with yourself. I want you to think about your struggle, your temptation, the scouting report on you, what is it that draws you away from Christ?
I want to give you an old illustration. Going back to the literary days. I want to take you to the Odyssey. And I want to take you to Jason and the Argonauts. In both stories, you have the sirens. The sirens would have this beautiful song, but they were there to deceive you. The boat would crash on the rocks and they would devour you. So two different strategies to defeat the sirens. Odysseus did this. He said, look, there's no way we can resist the siren call. So he put wax in the ears of his men. He tied himself to the mast. And as the siren sang, their effort was to, to keep them from hearing that. And they went through. Pretty unpleasant way to go through things. But then there was Jason of the Argonauts and a different strategy. He got his musician, Orpheus, and he says, play that lyre. Play it beautifully and sing. And the more beautiful song drowned out the siren call. The beautiful song is what drowned out the temptation. So friends, today as we, we think about what we battle... There's a sense in which we can, we can cover our ears and we can, we can put restrictions in place to keep us from doing bad things, and that's okay, and that can work for a, a minute or two. But ultimately, there is a more beautiful song. There is a more beautiful song of the gospel. There is a more beautiful song that Jesus offers us. There's a more beautiful song that Jesus invites us to join. And as you consider what it is you're facing right now, what are the habits that you need to form? How can I pray to invite God into that? Part of what those habits, part of what those disciplines do is allow us to hear the more beautiful song there's a wonderful line in um, a song that we'll close our service with today my weapon is my melody when we are part of that song when we are singing the truths of the gospel when that is truly the most beautiful thing the most beautiful music that we pursue It drowns out the siren call. It drowns out the temptation that we face. Psalm 96.1 says, We sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation. Day after day after day. My friends, would we sing that song? Would we sing that song today? Now, one of the ways that we can sing that song, one of the ways that we can proclaim the gospel is we can come to the communion table together. Now, in some ways, when we, when we come to the table and we, we celebrate 
what God has done for this. And, and we're going to do this a little bit differently today. I want to look at it as a celebration for sure, as a victory for sure. But when we come to the table as followers of Jesus, it is also a time of examination. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, and I just want you to listen to this. Don't, 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 don't take the elements yet. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But then Paul also says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Friends, I'd invite you to just simply hold the elements for a minute and bow your head. And in these moments, simply invite you to be open to receive from the Spirit, to examine your heart, to, to examine is to test and see what is true, what is right. now as we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to examine us, I would invite you to take the bread and may we receive the bread together in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And in the same way, may we receive the cup in remembrance of Jesus. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that we can rely on you to fight our battles. We thank you, Father, that you have sent your son Jesus to rescue us. remember that we celebrate that and we receive and we say thank you and ask that your spirit would continue to examine us continue to guide us show us where our hearts are deceitful show us help us to claim that area of our heart that belongs to you it's in jesus name that we pray amen